You can do basically a three-day course to become a real estate agent. And trust me, the three-day course, I've actually done a lecture at the three-day course. You go along and basically all that happens is people eat biscuits and drink tea. And the teacher feeds them the answers. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, another code cracker. We're going to dig into some of the underhanded techniques real estate agents use to list your property. Hey, I'll tell you what, if it's your first time tuning into the show, the Urban Property Investor is really a series of podcasts which actually are lessons in one way, shape or form. So if you like the idea of learning things, you've come to the right place. Welcome aboard. I've set up my little home studio with a bit of a backdrop for those people watching on YouTube. Apparently, people love watching on YouTube. I would have thought that was a weird thing to do, but YouTubers are tuning in in droves. So I've decided to create a little backdrop uh, to make my videos stand out. So I've got a little old lady smoking a cigar sitting behind me or a painting of an old lady smoking a cigar behind me. And uh, yeah, I guess one of my big passions in life, if you like, is actually art. I absolutely love uh, cruising around and I have a thing for street art. In fact, I used to run street art tours that related to real estate. I had a theory that the more street art in a neighborhood, the better real estate values actually would become. And so me and uh, some of my clients used to go exploring suburbs to find street art, believe it or not. We've had some crazy wacky experiences in the real estate market. I've got plenty of theories when it comes to real estate. I've got the red wine theory. Uh, I've got a theory that real estate mirrors wine. And when you start as a property investor, quite often because of buying power, you're exposed to goon. Uh, if you don't know what goon is, if you're new to the country, goon is like cast wine. And I think a lot of property investors end up buying portfolio that mirrors or a portfolio of real estate that mirrors goon. And what we do know from real estate is that the nicer the real estate, the more historical the real estate, uh, it's rather like red wine. It ages well. And of course, red wine theory with real estate is exactly that. The more uh, prestigious and historical the real estate is, the more it's worth in value. Along the way, though, us property investors, we need to come up with ways to own real estate, control real estate, and of course, uh, you know, perform in an ever-changing world. 
by way of example, this morning, I've spent my whole morning designing five-bedroom houses for property investors. We're up to the fifth bedroom now. And of course, that fifth bedroom isn't because of families increasing in size. It's because property investors today now need to face the reality that even families, some families are working from home with lockdowns around the country and all of a sudden that fifth bedroom that can be versatile, used as a study, all of a sudden becomes a thing. So real estate is always changing and uh, along the way I've been involved in many of those changes from my red wine theory to street art theory to now five bedroom theory. Hey, I tell you what, today's show is really a cracker. We're going to dig into some of the uh, behaviors that real estate agents often portray to property investors. And many real estate agents are the undoing of property investment for many property investors. And I wanted to do today's show because it is something that really irks me about the property industry that really real estate is a people sport fundamentally when it comes to the idea of getting listings for real estate agents. Really what they're doing and what they practice is the art form of conditioning people. How you can psychologically influence people is a very, very, very big and major way that real estate agents operate. So I want to do today's show because I want to create a lesson around the idea of holding real estate. As we know, real estate is a great game. It can make people a lot of money. And when we map out financial freedom for people, quite often that journey is quite a long one. Uh, Really, there are only a few levers you can pull in real estate to end up financially free. The first lever is to buy assets and work out how to pay them off. For many people, the second lever is giving yourself more bandwidth or time to pay off those assets. And the third lever that property investors use quite often is the idea that rather than pay off anything at all, just work out how to create more leverage to borrow more money and have more assets and give those assets time to go up in value so you can sell some down to pay off debt. Now, along the journey, I've certainly seen a lot of property investors fail to go into what is known as long-term investment. Now, to understand time in real estate, I think it's a critical conversation. I've mentioned this in the past. Short-term investing is basically anything less than 12 years. Medium-term investing is above 13 years to 20 years. Long-term investing is 21 years plus. And as you can imagine, along the way, property investors really don't have a grasp of the day-to-day space, which is uh, certainly economics around their 
property. Now, one of the conversations in real estate which comes up a lot is should you buy real estate in your backyard? The only benefit to buying real estate in your backyard is you actually know what's going on with what is occurring in your backyard typically. Typically, you can easily understand what is happening in your suburb, you're living and breathing it, and of course, if you own real estate in that suburb, you can kind of tell if a real estate agent is inclined to pull the wool over you or not. One of the challenges for property investors is they typically need to invest outside of their backyard. And the reason for doing this is quite often prices where we live can be, uh, you know, completely disengaged with what we can borrow. And of course, building a property portfolio, sometimes we're better off actually going to marketplaces which are more likely to grow in value than potentially where we live. And let's face it, for many people where we live is not necessarily a great property investment area. Now, people often ask me, you know, can I predict capital growth when it comes to real estate? The answer is absolutely not. I can't. I do not have a crystal ball. But I can create predictive growth around real estate. Predictive growth is just the idea if we find somewhere which is highly predictive that it's going to perform, it's going to get growth. Take a property in a large urban and landmass connected to really good smart jobs next to the beach and you're going to get growth at some point. The polar opposite, of course, is an area which is perhaps not influenced by smart economics, it's influenced by inequality, uh, it's not next to something humanistic like a beach or a nice park. All of a sudden, the odds of that property getting growth are circumspect. It's not a high probability. It's, not a, it's probably more of a low probability. When we consider where we're going to invest, one of the challenges for property investors is they quite often need to follow a high probability logic of getting growth and that growth is usually not where they live. So they have to invest in suburbs they're quite often not very familiar with to build a property portfolio. Now, I always teach the principle of what is known as the five cities plan and the 4x growth plan. You guys have heard this before. It's really just the idea that we want a little bit of diversity around our assets when it comes to location. We want some diversity when it comes to what uh, cities we're going to own real estate in. And here in Australia, there is a thing known as land tax. And land tax is probably the worst tax of them all. Uh, property investors are just always taxed. And one of the, the real uh, bittersweet taxes for property investors is the idea of land tax. Now, the easiest way to avoid land tax as a property investor is investing outside of your backyard. In other words, owning a property in Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, uh, you're going to avoid 
land tax. There really should be no reason why you would end up paying land tax. But if you build five properties or a portfolio of three, four, five properties in one city, the odds of you paying land tax and being hit by the threshold of the land tax uh, threshold in that state is going to be highly likely. So for us property investors, we got to invest in areas quite often that we are less familiar with. It's just part and parcel of building a property portfolio. Obviously, uh, we just simply can't do it all in our backyard. Now, I just want to set the scene with that conversation because today I'm going to talk to you about some of the tactics property agents use to quite often sell your assets and really uh, bamboozle you to get rid of perfectly good real estate assets. I see it all the time. Because for real estate agents, quite often they're exposed to local communities, but also people from interstate or overseas. And for them, uh, quite often being very transactional, people that are basically trying to make a buck in their world, they really do not, for the most part, care about what you're trying to achieve. Now, I've said this before, there are certainly really amazing real estate agents in Australia that are not trying to sell your property the moment they meet you or the moment you contact them. And they build a relationship with you and they give you advice on how you can improve your assets. And they go on this journey with you for a very long time. In fact, really lifelong real estate agents and bloody good ones in the industry will get to know you and reap the results of their effort getting to know you 20, 25 years after first meeting you. But then there are absolute hyenas in the industry and it's kind of these hyenas today I want to talk about and just give you some warnings about because the market's pretty hot at the moment uh, we know really uh, the lockdowns don't tend to slow up the marketplace. And even banks have come out recently with statements that the real estate market is going to continue to grow. It's going to have some uh, absolute um, robust growth into the future. And of course, what this means for many people is they're starting to question where they are when it comes to what they've done creating uh, real estate assets thus far in their portfolio. Now, you may be listening and don't own any real estate and thinking, well, this show's not for me. There's no point to it. I don't even own any real estate. Why would I care if a real estate agent is going to ring me and try and bamboozle me to sell my property? Well, I still want you to tune in because, again, uh, real estate agents and understanding how they think and operate is pretty critical to, again, being a great buyer, building a great portfolio and holding on to a portfolio for a period of time to create sustainable wealth. And I've seen over the years just people 
cheat themselves out of capital growth and wealth creation because they listen to people they hardly know. And again, this is why we often come back to the idea that real estate is 80% about psychology. It is without question a game of psychology because you are going to get tested on your journey of owning real estate. You're going to get phone calls from real estate agents telling you you've done the wrong thing. You're going to get phone calls from agents telling you the world is ending and you need to get off a sinking ship. So I want to go through 13 different things that I've noticed from real estate agents over the years being a property investor. I'm a property investor first and these have all happened to me uh, and it quite often happens for property investors who are quite often out of the area. This is really one of the things you're going to have to learn to overcome when it comes to understanding real estate. And I think the best medicine of understanding how not to listen to real estate agents is to understand how to analyze your portfolio, how to go through a uh, overview of where your portfolio is at. I find a lot of property investors find it easy to buy real estate, but then they don't understand where their real estate sits in the marketplace once they own it. They don't know how to analyze it, compare it to something else. And of course, in in real estate, we always need a compared to what. And as such, I've uh, often talked about the websites you need to get familiar with so that you can have really credible conversations. I'll quickly highlight them. These are the top ones you need to understand. First one, CoreLogic. CoreLogic is a real estate investor's Bible. It tells you what's been selling. Uh, It can give you suburb reports. It can give you street reports on what's going on in real estate. Second one, Cordell's. Cordell's tells you if your market is going to shift, if the market landscape in the area that you own real estate is going to change because it uh, gives you visibility into DAs. Uh, Things like WalkScore are great. It gives you a humanistic overview of where your real estate is at. You can use things like realestate.com, domain.com. These are great websites to give you some insights into what is going on in real estate. So we need to understand how to constantly take a look at our portfolio and I might come back and do an episode on exactly that because we need to know we're going in the right direction with this stuff and again real estate agents are a bit of you know I kind of say like 50% of them are really bloody helpful to be honest with you and 50% of them have been in the industry for about 12 months trying to make a name for themselves and they will uh, fundamentally try and make a buck at any cost. And in their world, a lot of them are really what we refer to as commission only. They don't make any money unless they sell. And as such, uh, you know, obviously they're depending on, you know, what's going on in their family life, their private life, 
just how desperate they are is quite often some of the plants they use to disrupt human beings. Remember, real estate is not necessarily about selling houses. It is actually about selling to human beings. Now, I'm a real estate agent. I try and obviously through this podcast be as transparent as possible. Like you get to hear about you know, my hatred of my Gospodar neighbor, my Gopnik dog. Uh, You get to hear everything really about me. And I try, obviously, to give you insights into the real me because I've got nothing to hide when it comes to uh, real estate, how I make money from real estate, the type of investments I get involved in real estate. And a big part of my journey is just simply sharing information. But for a lot of real estate agents, they are simply trained to hunt people. And I've been to real estate school and at real estate school, you get trained scripts and dialogues and ways to play the game of hunting people. And it's interesting uh, today across the group of companies um, that you know I fundamentally run, Um, alongside my business partners, we have 101 uh, staff at the moment, 101 team members in our village, which we're kind of trying to create this like six-star team for property investors. Property investors can come into the village and work with finance brokers, coaches, strategists, property buyers, agents, uh, they can work with reselling agents, property managers. It really is an ecosystem into itself. And I've had so many people apply for jobs over the years that really have no values when it comes to certainly, I think, what makes uh, property investment great. And I've certainly met a lot of retail agents that really fail the test of what property investment is about. Property investment is about going the distance and I've met a lot of retail agents who specialize in bamboozling investors to sell and it just blows my mind that that is a thing still to this day Um, and it's no wonder quite often real estate agents, you know, are kind of, I don't know, in the worst category of of people in society apparently you know you've got the used car salesman you've got the real estate agent and I can see why consumers feel that way and I certainly you know want you to leave this podcast knowing there are some great people in the industry but there is also a whole bunch of rat bags that really try and cheat you out of money so that they can get a run on the board when it comes to real estate. Now, I think it's a critical question you can ask uh, anyone you're dealing with in real estate. What is your mission? What are you trying to achieve? Why should I bring you on as an advisor? Why should I work with you to sell my home? What uh, do you actually stand for? And I think Warren Buffett says it the best in one of his pillars when it comes to financial freedom, you've got to have a critical, you've got to have a cracking team. And again, a lot of property investors will listen to clickbait. They will listen to any old real estate agent feeding them and working on their doubts 
rather than uh, creating financial solutions for me. So again, look, I'm wearing my purpose. Uh, I'm powered by purpose. For me, if you want to know my mission and uh, purpose in life, it is uh, basically people, place, and prop. Uh, people, place, and planet. So I really want to um, do some cool things when it comes to coaching people, sending them in the right direction. I want to design some of the best places for people to have property investments. I am uh, currently creating a carbon offset plan for everything I do in real estate. And I want to help the planet. Um, I want to make sure that I leave this world better than when I came into it. So let's go through 13 different uh, tactics property, uh, sorry, retail real estate agents use on property investors to meddle with their mojo. And the first one is without question an old saying in real estate, quote them low and watch them go. And of course, for many property investors who can't self-analyze their property portfolio, they quite often don't understand where their property sits. And this is where you often see interstate agents, as soon as they realize you're from Sydney and they're from Brisbane, uh, they have the ability to maneuver quoting things lower. And for them, they work on the principle that if they can convince you that uh, of a certain price, they can so quickly move that property. I once interviewed a guy who sells around 114 properties a year and he sells every single property 10% below what actually the property is worth. And he was proud of that fact. He was a Brisbane agent and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I wanted him to throw him out of my office. He came for a job, uh, said, hey, I can bring you at least 100 sales a year. This is how I do it. I quote them low and I watch them go. And as you can imagine, being a real estate agent is actually you are dealing in time. And there are only so many hours in the day, there are only so many properties you can physically sell on a given Saturday. Uh, obviously, there's time to travel to open homes, there's time to uh, show an open home. And of course, if you can uh, underquote, you're probably capable of selling a property on a single day rather than holding on to that property to get the best price, potentially over a 45 or 55 day period. So you can see, uh, I can see why a skullduggerous real estate agent would follow that technique. It's velocity. You sell one a day as opposed to one over 45 days to get the best price for that person that is going to be financially better off. The agent is going to be better off, not the seller. So that is the first thing we need to understand when it comes to what uh, can happen to you as a property investor. A real estate agent is very commonly going to underquote you what your real estate is worth. 
And they use, which is really the second thing I often see inside of hustling buyers, is a fear of loss, a tactical fear of loss. And really um, what that actually is, is planting a seed in someone's brain, uh, the psychology of someone, and absolutely uh, creating a future doubt. And it's quite easy to do if you um, start to talk to people. Oh, you know, that street is a really, really bad street. There's lots of crime. Uh, That's a tactical maneuver real estate agents do to create doubt. Oh, did you buy there? Oh, I wouldn't have, would never own real estate there. Tactical fear of doubt. Now, here's the thing you need to know about real estate agents. Real estate agents don't own real estate. When uh, I first left school, I got straight into my career as a real estate agent. And one of the most interesting things to me and really what has led me here today to talk to you as a property professional is that when I first got into real estate, in the office I first worked in, there was about 10 people in that office and only one of them owned real estate. It blew my mind that people could sell real estate, act as a sales agent, but actually have no comprehension about what being a property investor was all about. And it is still a bit of a thing today that most real estate agents don't actually own real estate. They operate in a very strange space. A lot of them operate with this idea that they're half a week away from being broke. Now, in real estate, only about 10% of real estate agents make a bucket load of money. And those real estate agents are quite often, as one would understand, they are quite often really good at their skill set. They're absolutely quite often, um, you know, a trusted advisor, and then 90% of real estate agents are in and out of the industry in about 18 months. They are not trusted advisors, and for them, they have a lot of personal finance issues. They are not wealthy, they own no assets, and quite often in real estate, it's very common to see real estate agents driving uh, a flash car, for example, And it's very common, you know, uh, all the gear, I think the saying is, all the gear with no idea. That is quite often very, very common for real estate agents. So uh, there is some great real estate agents and I might put in the show notes a very, very good book when it comes to understanding which real estate agent to potentially um, choose. It's written actually by... Um, a good friend of mine, Jeff, and uh, I'll put that in the show notes for everyone to go and buy his book um, if you're interested in this stuff. So the third thing that real estate agents do is create fake news. And I had this with one of my you know best clients that literally um, has, you, you know, she's living in Mossman now. She's 
basically built so bought so many properties she's reached this financial freedom state and she just bought a kick-ass house in mossman which is like the 10th richest suburb in australia i think she made like 400 grand out of that house she just bought just a year ago it's amazing anyway she rang me up and uh she was like um great you know she bought a property in norman park brisbane norman park it's like it's like a top 10 suburb in Brisbane, one of the best suburbs in Brisbane. And why it's an amazing suburb in Brisbane, it is an oligolopy. It is a NIMBY suburb. There is no stock that is ever really projected into that marketplace. It's owned by rich people. Rich people love being rich. And uh, with the development applications that I monitor in that suburb, you know, you're talking maybe 10 properties added to that suburb a year. Very, very, very low density neighborhood. She got uh, a report from a, a real estate agent who was prospecting her. Oh, that suburb's going to be oversupplied. It's going to be, uh, you know, saturated with properties. And, you know, she rang me and sort of queried it. I said, get that agent to put it in writing to you. Get that agent to uh, give you a report. Give that agent, like, let's see if what they're saying has some validity. She went back to the agent. The agent was like, oh, well, and to send her, uh, you know, could not justify anything that he had said. Send her some article about you know, some other complete part of Brisbane getting a land subdivision. And I showed her real data, real data. And this is why it's so important to be quite professional as a property investment. I pulled uh, development applications from the council, from Cordell's, sent them to her and showed her that the market landscape was not being transformed. This particular agent was just simply trying to pull the wool over you. Fake news. Fake news sells. As we know, I think um, Donald Trump, uh, probably the only good thing he did was teach everyone that fake news is actually a real thing, that uh, many uh, people will fake it until they make it. And certainly real estate agents absolutely are very, very, very guilty of creating some fear of fake news and it's quite often uh, a big big conversation that many real estate agents use on unsuspected property investors thankfully uh she rang me and i um, gave her real news not fake news and in real estate again you've just got to be wary of the clickbait and even wearier of real estate agents feeding you that clickbait so uh, very, 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 very common. The next one is also fake, I guess, expertise in the real estate marketplace. Now, understand the turnover in real estate is horrendous. People come and go from the industry all the time. A lot of people like the idea of being a lifelong seasoned realtor, but actually do not uh, and cannot cut it because real estate, again, is about creating trust and rapport 
and helping people go on a journey. And for many people, uh, they are not in the industry long whatsoever. You can do basically a three-day course to become a real estate agent. And trust me, the three-day course, I've actually done a lecture at the three-day course. You go along and basically all that happens is people eat biscuits and drink tea and the teacher feeds them the answers. It's actually a bit of a worry, to be brutally honest with you, the quality and standard of realtors coming through the system. In New South Wales, it got so bad that the state government had to step in and rewrite what is needed today to become a realtor in New South Wales. It was a joke. People do not know the legislation requirements to be a real estate agent. In my day, I had to do a three-year diploma to become a real estate agent, a three-year diploma. Fast forward, that diploma became a three-day course and, um, abs- and now it's gone back to more of a diploma status. And the reason I explain this is, again, just be very wary of who you're actually listening to. And I'll absolutely flag that in the buyer's agency space, there are also some fairly loose cannons out there putting together deals, having never really gone through a property cycle themselves, doing some fairly easy uh, courses to get into the industry. The barrier to entry is very, very, very low. So quite often that in itself creates a lot of challenges for property investors. So the lesson here is just be very careful of who you're listening to. And I've said this before, you know, some of the best people to listen to in the industry are, you know, highly ranked in the podcast scene within uh, property investment, for example. They've been around. I, I, you know, listen to some of the other podcasts going around and those guys have been around for so long. They must be doing something right and going in the right direction. So I can assure you, um, you know, be very, very wary of real estate agents that have been in the game for a short period of time and have done a three-day course where they ate biscuits and drank tea giving you advice about your property. It is uh, like giving a machine gun to a monkey, as they would say. The next uh, thing you need to be very wary of as a property investor is sometimes real estate agents will do what is called, uh, well, a bit of a fake CMA. A CMA is a competitive market analysis Uh, It basically looks at your property and compares it to another property. And what is common in real estate when you're getting appraisals done is the real estate agent can actually manipulate, override the system with CoreLogic, RP data, and give you uh, and feed you comparable sales to work you on price. And this sort of comes back to the first thing I mentioned, quote them low, watch them go. And again, 
you need to be very familiar with what is going on in your target market. Now, I always say to property investors, once you own a real estate, set up Google alerts on what is going on in that suburb. Uh, Get in Facebook groups of what's happening in that suburb. Don't just be really, really foreign to what you've bought. And I've seen this happen so many times to property investors. A lot of property investors, and particularly obviously with COVID at the moment, can't go and visit a property um, that they're potentially even buying. So what happens is when you do not see what you're buying, the fear absolutely starts to build up in you. And even though it's COVID, soon as you possibly can get on a flight, if you've bought recently, you know, go and see your property, get to know the area you bought in. You're going to feel a lot more comfortable when you actually understand what you potentially have bought. Um, And again, a lot of property investors uh, will get fed CMAs from real real estate agents, which again, just leave out valuable data as to potentially the true worth of assets. And they feed you this so that you're more likely to sell. And there is obviously... Uh, a lot of people that sell every single um, week as property investors that tap out of this thing called property investment. And a lot of that is to do with just the way real estate agents approach, um, you know, maneuvering you as a human being. Now, I think uh, I have a little uh, three-step policy with real estate. Real estate has got to be good for your heart because real estate at the end of the day is about emotions. It's got to be good for your brain. It's got to mathematically make sense. And it's got to be good for you for um, your feet. Yes, your feet. You need to be able to be willing to go and see that property from time to time. And if that means you have to go interstate, that's just what you've got to do. Honestly, when you get on the ground, it makes so much more sense, property investment, than it does uh, making decisions sight unseen, making decisions from afar. And of course, as a property investor, I've certainly bought in places I've never been to. I've bought uh, sight unseen. I've got the lashes on the back from making mistakes in that space. But equally, I've, uh, I can tell you that once you understand the good sides of the tracks and the bad sides of the tracks of a suburb, by going there, you will feel a lot, lot better. Now, I used to run actually city tours and tours for property investors so they could understand how a city actually works to put in context what is uh, what is going on in a city. And I think this is one of the other things that real estate agents fail to understand. Their basic level of economics is pretty low and it really does almost like create this, uh, you know, narrative that they are specialists quite often in what? What are they actually specialists in? Because um, I certainly know they're not specialists in city 
town planning. And I think one of the big things when understanding real estate is to understand how a city is evolving, where the hot areas of economics are, where the areas of supply are, where the areas of supply aren't, how the zoning works, how town planning works. Most property investors really just, uh, sorry, most real, real estate agents really are not um, taught how to understand this space. And really this podcast came about because my bus tours got um, basically stopped. Uh, they got stopped because COVID came along and stopped it. And, uh, you know, I ended up starting this uh, podcast to basically, um, you know, keep the dream alive of helping people understand this stuff. I used to do it on a bus. Just one sec. I've got to uh, get something charged up. Yeah, sorry. The timing was going out, so... uh, I have to charge. I'll have a sip of water. Yeah, where was I? I'm a bit waffly today, aren't I? Um, I was, uh, yeah, basically saying, you know, I used to run these bus tours and the reason I'd take people on a bus tour, I wanted them to understand at a macro level what was happening in the city. Real estate agents quite often don't even know their own backyard, but they're giving a lot of advice. Real estate agents, I think the next one that we can cover off on is real, really vague statements without any economic bias. Um, they will come out and say, oh, you know, the market's going to crash. How are you qualified to even say that? That is just bananas, right? So they'll ring people up and give them some really unfounded dialogue based on their opinion uh, this happened to me, right? So I'm got a property, it's vacant, I'm renovating it, COVID-19 comes along. It's just before like, you know, banks and so forth were willing to give mortgage holidays. I'm like, far out. How long is this property going to be vacant? I'm in the middle of a bloody reno trying to upgrade the property. I'm doing my 5X growth plan. I've bought well. Uh, I've picked a great location. The market's doubled my property's value. It's got great behavioral design. I come back doing the fifth, renovating for the new cycle, which I teach. And then COVID hits. Uh, I'm in the middle of installing a kitchen. So I ring the real estate agent and I'm like, um, you know, I just want to get a feel for, you know, uh, what I could get if I need to put this property on the market. Obviously, COVID's hit. Real estate agent unloads on me. Oh, economics. Uh, yeah, you know, the market's going to shit itself. It's going to go down, you know, $200,000. Uh, he was giving me an economics lesson. I, I explained to him, you know, uh, are you an economist? Like, how do you, how can you even say that? What gives you the right to say that? And I asked him what his background was before he became a real estate agent. He said he was a musical teacher. So, I, you know, not to, that's a, a lovely, lovely thing you could be doing, but I had a musical teacher giving me economic advice that the real estate market was going to crash. And of course, what he was trying to do was um, scare me 
to put my property on the marketplace. Uh, he did not know my background, that I speak about real estate for a living, that I've lectured at the University of Sydney on urbanity and transformation of real estate. He's telling me the world's ending. Oh my God. So I think we need to understand there's going to be a lot of vague statements that come your way as a property investor. Just know to put them in the bin. Uh, media also obviously creates fake news, clickbait. Um, if it bleeds, it leads, I believe the saying is. And of course, real estate agents will send you um, quite often uh, news about the market, you know, going backwards, going sideways. They will take little snippets from here or there and, and send it to you. And obviously it's a conditioning tool. Remember their job is to not sell real estate. Their job is to uh, basically sell to you. And uh, if they can get you moving, that's how they're going to create a listing. And a listing is revenue. That's just the way it works, right? So the next way real estate agents really do tamper with people reaching long-term goals when it comes to being a property investor. Remember, a long-term is holding real estate 21-plus years is really finding what is often referred to as misaligned motivations. And I think misaligned motivations is, the, is really the idea that, you know, you bought the property on the basis that, you know, you thought you were going to become rich in five years. It's been five years and you're not rich. And the reason you're not rich, perhaps, I don't know, some macro or microeconomic condition came along and stopped that happening in such a short period of time. Something like, I don't know, a GFC or a coronavirus or um, something like a Royal Commission into lending or an election. Something has slowed down your alignment with where you think you should be. Soon as a real estate agent understands what your intent with the real estate was, if your intent is really out of step with what a benchmark actually is, in other words, you are potentially a little bit deluded as to what the result of the real estate should be five years into a long-term journey, a real estate agent can easily pick that apart oh, yep, you're never going to get growth from that property. Oh, yep, uh, that's never going to happen. Oh, yep, you bought the wrong one. As soon as you show doubt, they will move in on that doubt. And quite often, that's how real estate agents are trained at the various scripts and dialogue sessions, which are often run for real estate agents. That's really how they're trained. That's why there's real estate agent schools of scripts and dialogues. As soon as you show fear, that is really a door opener for a real estate agent to come in and unmeddle uh, with your mojo. And particularly if you show misalignment to what you're trying to achieve. And uh, quite often real estate agents will prospect me. Oh, yep. Yeah. You know, uh, can I get you on the market? You know, and they'll, they'll ask me questions like, you know, why did you buy the property? Uh, you know, how long have you owned the property? Um, you know, I, and, and as such, they're trying to feel out if I've got misalignments. And I always say to them, look, you know, 
I've bought well. I'm never going to sell. Um, just keep in touch. But please, uh, you know, I, I'm going to pass these property on to my kids. And, um, you know, for, for many real estate agents, that sends them packing, right? So um, misaligned motivations is a big one. I think, uh, you know, you just got to be very mindful of that. Hey, I know the show, show's getting long. I should have mentioned you got to play the show in double speed. Uh, otherwise, I can go forever. And I, I used to actually go around on buses for 12 hours a day talking on real estate. I actually wanted to break the Guinness Book of Records for talking about real estate. Uh, and I was going to do that actually this year. I'd planned to give up 10 days of my life to talk constantly about real estate. And I wanted to do it on a bus. But uh, COVID came along and uh, now I'm doing a podcast. Maybe I have already created a Guinness Book of Records because I've done like I don't know, 60 podcasts by myself talking about real estate, um, which, yeah, may be a world record. It may be Australian record. Uh, I don't know, but we should look into that. Um, maybe I can get a Guinness Book of Records. I'd be really stoked with that. So misaligned motivations. Uh, certainly the next one is pushing availability bias. And of course, availability bias is just we often make decisions based on the information which is available to us. So if a real estate agent gives us information, we are just simply determining our status off the basis of that information. And of course, quite often, if you don't go looking for alternative viewpoints, that's how you create an availability bias. And again, it's just one of the anchoring techniques that real estate agents use. Let's give you some information, curate it the way we want, and that becomes your availability bias. So uh, be very mindful of that. Be very mindful of real estate agents pushing their agenda onto you. And uh, one of the other real conversations, again, real estate agents will use, and I've mentioned this in the past, is the illusion effect. The illusion effect. So again, quite often real estate investors have money illusion. Once they explain that money illusion to a property, uh, to a residential agent, a real estate agent, real estate agents will prey on that money illusion. So the money illusion, if you're not uh, across it, is just the idea that money changes value constantly. And for example, you could have, when you bought a property, been borrowing money at 6%, that interest rate now is 3%. The time you bought the property, it was $600 per week in rent. Now it's $550 a week in rent. When you're talking to the real estate agent, you say, oh, yeah, I'm not happy. The rents have dropped by $50 a week. This is a money illusion because actually interest rates have dropped by half and your cash flow position would be far better off. A real estate agent understanding that you're dissatisfied because your rents have gone down $50 a week knows to start anchoring dissatisfaction towards you. Oh, yeah, don't see a rental rebound coming soon. Yeah, uh, you know, we can get you on the market within a few days, etc., etc. 
really is a technique that many real estate agents use, anchoring really property investors that they have a problem when actually they don't have a problem. In fact, they are just creating the effect that is money illusion. So uh, certainly I can tell you it happens a lot and I've coached a lot of people off the fence because of money illusion Uh, and quite often again, real estate is such a psychological sport, you can create illusions in your own head that are actually when you're financially better off, uh, you're for some reason people do this, human beings will be human beings create a negative when actually you should be creating a positive. Uh, Certainly, I think a lot of real estate agents will anchor doubt in many investors' minds. Uh, Quite often that doubt is that they bought a lemon, that um, that is something that the local market doesn't like, could be a perfectly good house, and all of a sudden property Uh, investors get duped onto the market and of course quite often will sell real estate so unnecessarily because they do not have anyone to talk to about their financial world. Now remember the statistics are fairly real in this space. Um, You know the average property investor does not get past six years of owning real estate. And one of the reasons that is the case is quite often property investors will take a five-year interest-only loan. Um, Soon as that ticks over and they're paying more for the cost of the loan they have, they start to create a lot of doubts around the real estate they own. And by year six, they are out. Their interest-only period ends. They're going into interest in principle. They're not really feeling good about their asset and they tap out. And of course, this is really the worst thing you can do when you can just reset the loan or refinance um, and also go further and deeper into the cycle, which is real estate ownership. Remember, property cycles tend to be about 13 to 15 years in length. And if you use rule 72, which is just the idea that We want a compounding growth effect on our assets. Even at a 5% compounding growth rate, you take a normal property, 15 years later, it would have doubled in value. So what is the point of listening to a real estate agent that has done a three-day course giving you economic advice to get off the roller coaster? If you get off the roller coaster halfway through, Real estate investment, you will get burnt. You will not make money. It's just the way the real estate uh, world is set up. There's a lot of taxes in real estate. There's a lot of selling costs in real estate. There's a lot of fees, stamp duty. Uh, and again, once you add all that up, if you get off the roller coaster halfway through, you're going to get burnt. And this is why I try and teach so militantly my Forex growth plan We want to buy well, a good location, 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 location. We want a good marketplace and some great behavioral agendas around the property to create this humanistic effect as to why the property is good for other people. And of course, um, real estate agents are trained to take candy off a baby. And if you're nervous and show nerves, that's their cue to create an opportunity. 
And I can tell you that um, really the best way to understand how that unfolds is everybody has a story. And you may have a story that you want to become wealthy out of property. The real estate agent has a story that you have a story that you want to become wealthy out of real estate. They will simply bring their version of the world into your version of the world until it collides. And for a lot of property investors, they simply um, really make a lot of errors when it comes to trusting who to sell. So I'll tell you what, I'll put Jeff's book in the show notes. It's a good one if you want to understand how trusted real estate agents work for you to get the results. I think it's a critical conversation because I know that to become wealthy out of real estate, at some point, you're going to have to trust someone, trust the right team. Hopefully, you guys are getting to know me a lot better. Hopefully, one of my team of 101 people in our economic village can give you a hand. Uh, And if you would like to come and check out what we do, by all means, reach out to me. Uh, We are a bit of an open book. um, And certainly, when it comes to understanding how to fend off real estate agents, I'll put Jeff's book um, in the show notes. Maybe if you want to get a copy of it, reach out to Jeff. He certainly has put a lot of time and effort into that book to uh, help people understand how to choose a really credible real estate agent that isn't trying to dupe them just to make a buck to buy another flash suit or to drive some weird flash car. All right, everyone, that's it from me this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I will catch you next time on the Urban Property Investor. Oh, I've got to sign off using my saying, don't I? Uh, I keep forgetting it. Oh, shit, something fell off the desk. Uh, 2.43 in, in, oh, that's not the right book. Um, Where's Marcus's book? Oh, my God. Uh, I can't remember my own saying. Got to find it. Marcus, where's your book? I've got that many bloody books near me. Right, I will open with the saying uh, next time I'm online. Yes. Wow. I think I've given Marcus's book away. Anyway, let's put that one down to a massive error to ending the show. I'm not perfect. Uh, I will catch you next time on The Urban Property Investor. Thanks for tuning in to The Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of The Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.